Tuesday night's games, man. That was a podcaster's dream. So much stuff going on. We had a call-up that's pretty big. We've got the Thames watch. We got a Felix Hernandez injury. But Scott White, Chris Towers, tell me in your opinion, the single most important fantasy baseball thing that happened yesterday was what? Oh, it was Bellinger. It was Bellinger. That's that's one of the bigger things we've seen this season. You know, Compared to last year, by this point, we had already seen a lot of high-profile prospect call-ups, and we'd been lacking them to this point. And then the Dodgers surprisingly call up Cody Bellinger, who, you know, I have my concerns. It's too early. He's 21 years old. He was had great numbers at AAA, but was striking out one every three at-bats. Uh, in spring training, he hit about 200. So there's reason to wonder if it's too early. But at the same time, among minor league hitters, uh, you know, short of like Yon Moncada, I'm not sure we're going to see a more exciting call up this year than Bellinger. Scott, I, I did want to ask you about Bellinger. Mm-hmm. MLB.com's pipeline did not have him ranked prior to the 2016 season in their top 100. Baseball Prospectus did not have him in their top 200, 100. Baseball America had him 54. Uh, this year Baseball America jumped him all the way to number seven and he's top 25 in each of the other two. What changed? Well, he had a, well, he had a, a really year. He had I mean, a really good year, but his right. numbers in 2016 are nearly identical to his numbers in 2015. I think part of it's just as players get closer. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's there's so many talented teenagers in the minors that it's hard to distinguish between them. Um, Bellinger, as he moved up the ladder, he's gotten better. You know, it's it's actually interesting because I pointed out the strikeout rate; it's too high. It's higher than we want to see it. For sure, but it's not Joey Gallo high. Yeah, and and last year at Double A, after his strikeout rate initially spiked with a big power surge uh, in in Single A, uh, he he made adjustments. He actually struck out less than a hundred times last year. So he's a guy who's shown the ability to make adjustments in in you know the twenty to eighty scale that scouts use. Baseball America gives him a seventy power grade, which is very rare. I mean that's the expectation is 30 home runs a year in his prime uh, with a with a rating like that. He has a 30 homer season in the minors, which we don't see too many of those. Uh, and yeah, it was just off to a ridiculous start at AAA apart from the strikeouts. So um, this is exciting. I mean, I mean, if it 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 wouldn't surprise me at all if he's just overmatched and strikes out too much. It is in AAA two weeks from now. But if he ends up making the kind of impact Gary Sanchez did last year. Like, I, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility either. All right, so you got to get him. And Bellinger, I actually didn't see what his ownership percentage is. I was lucky enough to pick him up two days ago, uh, you know, on a hunch. And yeah. Turned, yeah, and we both said, no, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I got lucky. <laughs> but but we'll see. Uh, 41% owned right now. 41%? Yeah. Okay. 41% owned, but I went through my league's – you know, I'm in 15 leagues. There was only one I I could pick him up, and he was already owned. And he was either already owned in the others, or the others waivers is just a once a week thing. So there was no reason to put an acclaim in him last night. So yeah, I was surprised what, by that. What I struggle with is like the shallower leagues, like the the 21 man roster leagues, where you've got a guy like I've got a guy like Michael Franco on my bench, and I wouldn't drop Franco for Bellinger. But sometimes with these prospects that get called up, I say. Eh, you know, that's a five outfielder league type thing, or that's a corner infield, middle infield type league where I'm going to pick him up. And then they end up being really good. Like, I, I don't even know that I was excited to pick up Trey Turner. I can't remember, but I, I don't know that I even was going to pick up Trey Turner last year, and Turner en- ended up being obviously relevant in all leagues. So it's the sh- the deeper leagues, it's easy. You take a shot on a guy like Bellinger, no question. The shallower leagues, right. you know, it's, yeah, it's a little and, bit more. And there more. were some instances, people on Twitter, you know, my flat advice is, yes, you need to pick up Bellinger, and people were suggesting who the lowest player on their roster was. Uh, like somebody said Yasiel Puig. And I'm like, no, you know, I don't think you can do that. Somebody said Michael Conforto. It's kind of a toss-up for me. I think I might actually lean Conforto. But the idea is even in those shallower leagues with 21-man rosters, you know, if you've been aggressive on the waiver wire early, you don't have a lot of wiggle room. Okay, maybe you don't, but somebody in that league does. Somebody in your league needs to be picking up Cody Bellinger. So, 
you know, if he's still available in your league, then somebody's messed up. Okay. I'm sorry, I may have missed it. Did you mention that he might get sent down when Peterson's back? Uh, yeah, I mean, if he doesn't perform, there's a chance of that. If he does perform, though, I, I mean, it's not like Andrew Tolles was, had locked down the left field job before this call up. So it's, uh, no, he, if, if he hit, it, it's completely dependent on Bellinger, I feel like. Okay. Uh, it, it's not like, you know, they need to be tied to Adrian Gonzalez either. This is a guy right. who's, who's a, a natural first baseman as well. Sure. Okay, let's wrap up Bellinger with this question from Kevin. How much fab should we be spending on Bellinger? <laughs> a, a question that's difficult to answer absent any other context. Um, what percent? I would, uh, I'm gonna I say would, 15. Okay. I was, okay. I was gonna t- kinda take 10 as the middle ground. I mean, in some, like in some leagues, depending on the depth and everything, it could be 50%, you know? But right. I, I think 15's a nice, safe middle ground for, uh, one size, if I have to give a one size fits all number. Chris Towers, what was the single most important thing that happened in fantasy baseball yesterday? Um, we had a cycle that happened. Yeah, Trey Turner starting to turn things around seems Ooh, pretty exciting. I would. He's nice. a Turner for for oh, me. Uh, there were so many rainouts last night, and it it really cost me. I lost a couple of two start pitchers uh, mm-hmm. this week as a result of it. Same. Robert Kazelman was a two yeah, start pitcher last Kazelman looks like he's going to get skipped in the rotation. He right? is. He he should still make a start this week on Sunday, yeah. but it's against the Nationals. So, and it kind of tells uh-huh. you. You, Scott, you were saying this in the office yesterday. Yeah. It kind of tells you that the Mets might view him as a true number five starter and not someone that they, you know, necessarily need to have on the mound. Right. Not somebody they're prioritizing. I mean, wouldn't it make more sense to skip Wheeler if they were going yeah. to skip anybody? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, it was disappointing. All right. Well, uh, let's go through everything that happened yesterday. That's that's really important. So we'll talk about Michael Brantley. Obviously, Thames. Uh, can you drop Felix Hernandez? Uh, Dallas Keuchel throws another complete game. He's got a 122 ERA, and he's not even the number one starting pitcher in fantasy. Can you guess who it is? Think about it out there. Um, let's talk about a different promotion, though. Other than Cody Bellinger, a few days ago, Kenneth Vargas was called up, and he's three for nine with a home run that he hit yesterday, two walks and three strikeouts. Is there any interest in Kenneth Vargas, who is 4% owned? Isn't it Kenny Vargas? I, I can't remember. I think, it, I think, I think you Kenny might be Vargas. right. It's not often I get to correct you on pronunciation, so I like to take advantage whenever Please. I can. <laughs> um, he's started two games in a row. Uh, so, I mean, Robbie Grossman's been so good that I feel like he'd have to take an outfield spot away from somebody. And I'm trying to think of the Twins outfield right now. I can't imagine. Kepler, Buxton. Okay, they're... Kepler and Buxton are probably still in. Who's in the other spot? Is it, is it Rosario? Oh gosh. I don't know. I'm pronouncing names wrong. I can't get the twins depth chart right. <laughs> in, in any case, I mean, he, Vargas had some low end sleeper appeal before he didn't secure the DH job this spring. Uh, he's definitely got pop. Yeah. Um, it's just a question of whether he can make the kind of adjustments that someone like Miguel Sano has, has made this season. He's not nearly as talented as Miguel Sano, but, you know, there, there's a chance that he could settle in as a 25 to 30 homer guy if he gets an everyday job. Uh, Rosario has been playing a lot of left field for them. Yeah. Long, st- long story short, he's not a Vargas, that is, isn't somebody I'm racing out to add. Except in like AL only leagues. Alright, let me read a couple of emails that, uh, I think could be, could be useful for fantasy owners. This one's from Joshua. Dear Marty, Doc, Einstein, and Jennifer. I have no idea. Yeah, (laughs) we, everybody should know that. Anyone- Rick and Morty. Anyone worried about, uh, Chris Bryant's? Uh, I'm just, just gonna stop reading the rest of the email there. Is anybody worried about Chris Bryant? He's batting 259 with two homers. In the email, he said that he's got a high strikeout rate, and so I, I went to look at it because I, I hadn't really picked up on that. I thought maybe there was something I was missing. There's not. His strikeout rate's identical to what it was last season, which is, I think, a positive sign because I thought there was some definite room for strikeout regression with him. I thought maybe he would come back to like the 26% range, and the fact that he hasn't 
um, makes me positive. Now his his batted ball indicators are bad. His hard hit rate is down. His average exit velocity is down. Those are bad signs, but I, I can't bring myself to be no. concerned about the guy who won the MVP last he's year. He's going to destroy things soon. He's And he's got yeah. four steals, uh, Chris Bryant, too, so... Just be patient. I know I got a lot of Chris Bryant, and I'm off to a slow start in my Chris Bryant league. So just be patient. Uh, but not only are the strikeouts the same, the walks are actually a little bit up this year, and mm-hmm. the steals. So that, that's good stuff. He's right. got more stolen on base opportunities. Email of there you go. Email of the day number two is from Chris. Chris from Nashville. I know Eric Thames has gotten a lot of love for his hot start, but what do you guys think about Michael Brantley? Can he be? Can Michael Brantley be a top fantasy producer again? Where does he rate on your stud meter? But we actually <laughs> would call it a stud o meter, Chris. You, what's weird about Michael Brantley is he's been really good so far, but not in Michael Brantley ways. Right. Uh, well, he's not. In- he doesn't have the contact rate we're used to seeing yeah. from him. But that being said, he's on pace for 120 strikeouts, which would be a fine number for most players. Just yeah, but, not a guy we're used to seeing half that from. Yeah, 22% strikeout rate is Chris Bryant number. He doesn't have Chris Bryant's power. Yeah. Uh, his swing strike rate is only 7%, but that's double what it was at his peak. So he's he doesn't look like the same guy, and... You know, I don't, I don't expect him to be that guy right now, based on what we've seen. It's, I, I kind of just attribute it to Rust. I mean, he was away for so long, and the fact that, you know, he's also on like a 30-30 pace. You know, I'm, like, I'm starting Brantley everywhere yes. I own him. That's, and, and I'm just happy I drafted him. That's, that's kind of the attitude I'm taking with him right now, because a lot of people didn't have faith he'd even be able to do this. Well, okay, who would you rather own rest of season, Michael Brantley or Gregory Polanco? Uh, I would say Brantley. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Brantley got to put him over Jose Bautista at this point. Yeah. Brantley or Ian Desmond? Um, kind of similar players. Except mm-hmm. Brantley's gonna have a better. Well, I don't know. I, he yeah he'd probably would have I, a better have batting to take average. Brantley at this point. Yeah, I think I think I would take Brantley too. There's still some hurdles for Desmond to clear. Um, and there's just no guarantee that Ian Desmond comes back from a hand injury and is perfectly fine. Right. We, yeah. That's what I, this. that's what I mean. Yeah. Like there, he could hit some snags. Like we think, we think we have a pretty clear idea of his timetable, but there, there could be some setbacks. And, and he could be back healthy and mm-hmm. just not hit, which is yeah. something that we've seen a lot with guys when they come back from that kind of injury. Yeah. We're, we're assuming he'll be okay. Offensively, because of where he'll be playing his home games, but yeah. we were before that signing happened. We were um, not thinking he would be okay as a hitter. So you know, it, it may not be the the like it, it may not be a cure all for what ails him. Sure. Now, look, Scott, I'm actually really happy for you. You sound good today. You sound fun. You sound into the podcast. I know it wasn't a, uh, you know, the Hanniger thing yesterday. I learned, oh, ab- yes. I learned about the Hanniger injury by going on Twitter. I was, I was out, uh, for most of the night, had an event to go to and not as fancy as it sounds, but, uh, I, I come back, I see a tweet says Hanniger and from Scott White. And, uh, I think what, oh no, what happened here? So Hanniger's got the oblique injury. We're going to wait and see. It's never a good thing, but sometimes oblique injuries are like a few days and people are fine. Oh, we- this, this doesn't sound like a few day one. Yeah, well, Which, I, I mean, his season's not over either, so let's... It's over. Drop Mitch <laughs> Haniger. No, no, don't do that. Don't do uh, that. You know, I'm, I'm expecting like a four to six week timetable, which is, you know, it's, it's a, a bad blow. I mean, even knowing Haniger was no more than a late round pick, he's been the best player on my team in, in a lot of leagues. So it's, it's, you know, and I got all the tweets, a bunch of, Scott, Names, let's let, you know, let's the sad puppy dog eyes, the the Doctor Who in the rain uh, meme. Like <laughs> I, I got a lot of those in my Twitter timeline last night. And is it that was, from Doctor Who? I think it's Doctor Who. Oh, okay. it's, it's, that's the actor I, I believe from Doctor that is Who. The fella from Doctor. Yeah. I, I, well, I, let's I let's let's wait and get upset about it when we find out that he's on the DL. But for now, we're we're gonna wait and see on Mitch Hanniger. Tough blow. He's, he's going on the DL. All right. All what, right. What, what 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 did you hear optimistic about this? He had an oblique. He, he had an oblique injury. He left the game. He's not on the DL yet. I mean, who knows? I, let's just wait and see. I'm not optimistic. I'm 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 sure he's gonna go on the DL. But we can uh, wait. Wait and see. But it. it 
Like, yeah, I, I, I feel like this is one of those injuries where you don't, you, you, there's no reason for that kind of optimism. Oh gosh, poor Scott White. Now you just brought the show down with the hating, with, uh, being upset about Mitch Hanniger. You already put him on the DL. He's not there yet. You're not, a, you're not the GM. Just, just, just be optimistic. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. All right. Um, hey, listen, Chris, I understand, uh, that you are kind of a watch guy. You like watches. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you, I like a watch. And, and we've got our movement watches, but you, but you have like a history with watches, right? Uh, yeah, actually, when I was back in college, I worked for a watch company. I, I, I made some, uh, some watch investments. I own some watches, yeah. And the movement watches, even though they don't cost that much, they're pretty freaking nice, aren't they? No, I'm a big fan of mine. I've got the, um, I've got one of the ones with the big white face, leather strap. You know, genuine leather. It's a really nice watch. It's, it's classy and understated. And that's what I like with my watch. I don't want a, I don't want a big gaudy watch that, right. that makes everyone look at me. I want something that, that, that looks good. It's classy. And, and that's what my movement watch is. Right. And in movement watches, it's spelled M-V-M-T. M-V-M-T. So here's the URL for you. In, in addition to getting this awesome watch at a great price, that, you know, that they're, Unbelievably inexpensive compared to other watches you'd see. You can get 15% off and free shipping if you want yourself a watch. So, look, you got a, a gift to buy or you just want to watch, go to mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. mvmtwatches.com slash fbaseball. That's M is in Mary both times, by the way. MVMTwatches.com slash FBaseball. Go to the website. The hardest part about going to the website is picking which one you want. There were like 10 that I absolutely loved. Uh, high quality watches, revolutionary prices, and this is the world's fastest growing watch company. So 15% off, free shipping, and free returns if you don't like it, which you will. But this is a great deal. MVMTwatches.com slash FBaseball. Join the movement. All right, your news for the day. Felix Hernandez had shoulder stiffness and a dead arm. He gave up four runs on six hits in two innings. Felix Hernandez has given up 39 hits in 26 and two-thirds innings. Not a lot of walks, but a lot of hits. So it was a tough night for the Mariners. They, uh, they got I, I could have told you he had a dead arm, Adam. Oh. <laughs> well, you're the injury man. Um, anyway, people want to know what they should do with Felix Hernandez. Drop, hold. What do you think? I mean, he's probably going on the DL too. <laughs> it's a ten day DL. Why? You're right. Now you're right about both. You're right about both. Um, Miss one start. Uh, so you know, presumably you can put him in a DL spot if, like, you're just overrun with DL players, though, which is understandable the way this season started out. Like, he's been pretty bad, and there were reasons to suspect he was. Um, not going to be able you to turn him? around after his terrible you, season you last year. Him? You got the guts to say it. You dropping Felix Hernandez? Oh, I, I, I don't. I don't think it's. it's I, I don't it, think it's a crazy idea. It's worth pointing out. Like his terrible season last year was not drop worthy. Oh, it was. I like, disagree. You weren't starting Felix Hernandez. Were you dropping Dallas Keuchel last year? You could have. Uh, you weren't dropping him because he had won the Cy Young. You know, like you, you know, you probably should have dropped him based on his production. You weren't dropping him because you can't. Oh, he's going to. Well, no, no, I mean Dallas Keuchel's, Keuchel's, Dallas Keuchel's ERA was like a full run higher than Felix. He had a very strong finish. Keuchel did so. You know, somebody was benefiting from him toward the end of that season. Um, last season, yeah. Didn't he go on the DL R- toward the end of the season where he was healthy? Like the last couple months for Dallas Keuchel were good, is what I'm saying. So okay. you know. But like his, if, ERA, his ERA was a full run higher than Felix. Hernandez. All right, so so uh, I'm just gonna speed this up because I want to get to the other stuff. Felix so Hernandez you, was bad last year. I don't I don't care. Just you, if if cherry picking ERA makes it look better to you, fine. But it was bad. All right, it doesn't matter. You don't have to drop him. But I guess there's it's justifiable in a ten team league, especially. Um, Madison Bumgarner won't need shoulder surgery. He's likely going to be out about two months. Jose Altuve was in a collision with Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, Altuve seems okay. He's day-to-day with a shoulder injury. Hernandez leg contusion. And that was late in the game. George Springer did come in and replaced Hernandez, but Springer was sitting that game. So maybe he'll play today. Kendall Graveman's going to come off the DL tomorrow, returning from a shoulder injury. David Price set to face hitters for the first time. Zach Britton could be back this weekend. The Pirate. Oh, oh. Let me ask you. Do you guys just expect Zach Britton to come back and be Zach Britton? 
Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. If he's if he's healthy enough to pitch, I would expect so. But it'll definitely be something to keep an eye on. I got a trade offer, Zach Britton for Dylan Bundy. And Britton, like, Britton has a 1.86 whip this year. And then he went on the DL. So he gave up 10 hits, three walks, six strikeouts in seven innings. Just was pitching out of jams. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I kind of want to take the deal. What what is the injury for Britain again? I think it was an elbow injury. It seemed like one of those situations where maybe the struggles clued them into the injury because I I know I was seeing Zach Britton's line and thinking, hmm, wonder if everything's okay there. And then lo and behold, he winds up on the DL. Um, so but you know the the flip side of that is they wouldn't bring him back if it's not if it doesn't appear to be solved, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really thinking about that one, but, alright, uh, just I wanted to know if, if we thought that Zach Britton was still, you know, one of the best, one of the best relievers in baseball. And, I guess we're, we're optimistic. It's been a fairly short DL stint. I think he's eligible to come off today, and they're talking about Sunday for Britain. More news and notes for you. Uh, the Pirates lead baseball in errors. Their defense is terrible. We'll talk about Garrett Cole, actually had a great start yesterday at, uh, against the Cubs. Aaron Nola, I did not mention this yesterday. He's on the DL with a lower back strain, but Nola's expected to only miss one or two starts. Seattle third baseman Kyle Swagger sat with hip soreness. That is an awesome autocorrect, Kyle Seeker, Kyle Swagger. <laughs> and Chris, are you excited about Jeb Bush and Derek Jeter potentially owning the Miami Marlins? Sure. Yeah, the most popular player in baseball. Yeah, pretty cool. Still. You've got two of the most played in four years. Two of the most popular Yankees in baseball history. In Mattingly and Jeter, potentially. In oh, okay. Game. I thought you were talking about Jeb Bush. Uh, no. <laughs> I, did you see on Twitter, I found a picture from the Miami Herald of Jeb Bush and Billy the Marlin eating paella? <laughs> <laughs> it's from like no. the late 90s and Jeb Bush is wearing like a six foot long ascot around his, uh, around his neck. It's a fantastic picture. That does sound great. Now, here's your stat of the day. Mike Trout hit his first extra inning home run of his career. Finally clutch. That's weird, right? Yeah, he's so (laughs) overrated. Um, and your trivia question, trivia question of the day. Which fictional character did Chris Coughlin imitate perfectly last night? Uh, Willie Mays Hayes. That's right. I saw, but like the limited fake Willie Mays Hayes, the Omar Epps version. Omar Epps. Oh. Major League Two. Major League Two. Yeah. Now I, I saw the, the gifs of Willie Mays Hayes. Doesn't it look like Willie Mays Hayes was out? No. No, he went right over <laughs> I, him. I think the catcher's glove grazes his, like, lower leg. They didn't have replay review at the time, Scott. Yeah, apparently not. Mm, negative Nancy Scott White. Now he's calling, now he's calling Willie Mays Hayes out. Um, alright, anyway, that was an amazing play by Chris Coglin. You should look it up. It was. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's get into, uh, some, some big time performances. Dallas Keuchel, complete game. Uh, and two runs, three walks, five strikeouts. He has a 122 ERA. He's the number two starting pitcher in fantasy. Keiko has 27 uh, strikeouts in 37 innings. That's 7.1 per nine. That's not very good. In 2014, so this is this is what I'm struggling with. Is Keiko a sell high? In 2014, he had a 293 ERA and a 1.175 WHIP, and he went 12 and nine. I think the record's going to be better than that this year. But that made him the number 26 starting pitcher in points leagues and number 33 in Roto with a 293 ERA because Keiko had 6.6 strikeouts per nine in exactly 200 innings. Then the following year, 8.4 strikeouts per nine. And I don't think we expect him to do that. And that was in 232 innings. He won the Cy Young. He was the number four starting pitcher in points, number five in Roto. So, like, I look at 2014... And I see 200 innings, 6.6 strikeouts per nine, sub three ERA, wasn't even a top 24 starting pitcher in fantasy. I expect the win-loss record to be better though, 12 and nine. I think it'll be better than that. Personally, I buy into Keiko. I don't know how much you guys do, but I think the ERA is going to be better than 293. I think he's going to have a special year. Um, yeah. And I expect, you know, seven-ish strikeouts per nine, not 6.6 and probably more than 200 innings. So, what I'm saying is like, I, but I don't know if he's, I, it, with a 7.2 uh, strikeout per nine, he might be like a, like the 15th best pitcher. Can, can I ask, why do you expect a special season from him? 
because he because I just think he's awesome. I think he did it two years ago. He pitched with a shoulder injury last year. I am more or less willing to completely. But he was a better pitcher then. How how is it better? It's not like he came out of nowhere with the year he won the Cy Young, though. Is is sure, but you're but you're saying you expect a better than two point nine three RA. You expect a special season. Well, but he was a better pitcher in 2015 than he'd ever been before or since. Like even if it's just a 293 ERA. Yeah, well, he had a 248 like, ERA in 2015. I don't think it's going to be that good. I mean, right. I, I don't want to get caught up in specific predictions, but it, it does seem like he's getting the kind of weak contact. Like Keuchel is a pitcher who there, there's really no comps for Keuchel, right? I mean, he's he's a ground ball collecting fiend who you know his his success is always going to depend on location and uh and movement not so much missing bats when most pitchers in baseball it's but it's the it's how much contact they're giving sure. up but what made him special in 2015 was the fact that he did start missing bats he had an above average strikeout rate right i i just don't know that it's fair to compare keichel at any point in his career to the the one who won the cy young like he can be a special pitcher and still not that pitcher. Uh, so where, where I, do you I, think I, I he think is? It's, I think it's like I'm looking at more as a comparison, Keiko this year versus Keiko last year. Can he be a frontline pitcher again? And I think he's giving us a pretty resounding yes so far that he can be that. And and that's what I expected him to be. That's that's what I expected him to be. Anyway, obviously I'm more <laughs> say it with more conviction now. Um, but I like I said earlier, I like the way he finished last year, uh, and I think there were some health issues that. Related to his early season struggles. Oh, there's yeah, no question. Yeah, I, I still view him as like a number three starting pitcher. Wow. Wow. I mean, you, you said he was the number 26 pitcher. Yes, but. In 2014. I think he's probably the same guy he was in 2014. All right. Maybe well, that was only. More games? That was 200 innings with a 12 and 9 record. So if he stays healthy, I think he'll, he'll eclipse the innings and he'll win. He'll definitely have a better record than 12 and 9. Can, can I, Johnny Cueto? Like, does that seem like a reasonable comp for Keuchel? Just not in terms of the kind of pitcher he is, but the kind of numbers I'm expecting. Right. You know, a lot of innings, low ERA, and uh, probably a lot of wins. I think, and they have a great they have a great bullpen and a great offense, so he's set up for a good season, Keuchel. So, all right, would you rather have Keuchel or Cueto? I know it's easy for Chris, but Scott. Yeah, I'll still take Cueto. All right, would you rather have Keuchel or Carrasco? Carrasco. I'll take Carrasco. Okay. Uh, let's do the Thames watch. This is a tweet from Cameron. Can you bring up Eric Thames versus Dominic Brown's big month a few years ago and <laughs> other strong months from previous uh, players? Are there any Eric Thames comps? I mean, this is ridiculous. He hit his 11th home run last night. He's batting 371 with 14 walks, 18 strikeouts. It seems like every day I see a, a Thames stat that impresses me more than the last. Here's today's. Thames, the Thames stat of the day. Ready? Yes. On sliders, sliders. Eric Thames is five for ten with three home runs. <laughs> sliders. Nobody wants to hit a slider. He's uh, five for ten with three home runs. That's amazing. He has, if you take his RBI and add them to his runs, and then subtract home runs, so you're not double counting anything. <laughs> He has accounted for 17% of the runs the Reds pitching staff has allowed this season. <laughs> it wasn't even against the Reds yesterday, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Uh, he, I saw comments from Lackey and Schwarber, and so I thought it was against the Cubs. Is there anything uh, historically that says this this may not last? I mean, Dominic Brown is a good example. He had an amazing month. He had 12 home runs in the month of May, but he also had 21 strikeouts and zero walks in that month. Um Heath was actually looking at this players who uh who hit at least 11 home runs in the month of April and it was all pretty much very good players. There was like a Brady Anderson the year he had the 50 homers, the Luis very Gonzalez good player 50, that year. 50 homer year. There were a handful of guys who did not hit 30 home runs that season. Um and not necessarily because of injury. I think Chase Hutley actually had an 11 homer April and finished with like 27 home runs that year. So it's not a guarantee for sure. It's amazing. It's just amazing what he's doing, and I, I, we yeah. could spend every show talking about Eric Thames. We won't. I want to talk about a couple other Brewers, though. Hernan Perez is 28% owned. He is now shortstop eligible, so third base, outfield, and shortstop. Craig Council wants Perez in the lineup a little bit more. Look, shouldn't they just bench RC already and put 
Hernan Perez is their everyday shortstop. I don't know how he is defensively. I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, he's made three starts at shortstop now. I don't know how much of a defensive downgrade that is. I, I just, I don't know. Um, I'd like if they did that because I do think Perez has more utility in fantasy than Arcia does, at least at this stage of their careers. But yeah, uh, second straight game with the home run also had two triples in this. Hernan Perez, you look at the 260 batting average, but he has a 955 OPS. And like, obviously we know he can run too. So mm-hmm. if, Council is able to live up to his own wishes and play Perez more, he could become fantasy relevant again pretty quickly. It's just a tough spot for that team because they're not contending this year. It doesn't really matter if they're more competitive this year with Hernan Perez or Orlando Arcia. Hernan Perez is 27. He's been on a couple different teams. He's probably not part of the next competitive, really good Brewers team. Orlando Arcia is supposed to be you know, one of the building blocks for this He's team. supposed so it, to be, yeah. It's, it's and, hard and do, to... I, I know they've kind of initiated this rebuilding plan, but man, seeing the kind of player Thames looks like he is and and the kind of year Travis Shaw is having. They're and, still I mean, only 500, though. I know, but... Yeah, they're not going like to stop competing until they're, you know, they're not going to stop. I, I think there's a chance for Perez to play, at least in the short term, a lot. And he's 28% owned. Would you rather own Christian Arroyo or Hernan Perez? Perez. Yeah, I agree, Perez. Yeah, and Brandon Crawford might end up on the DL. So if you're a Crawford owner, you need a shortstop, you take a look at Perez. Also, if you're a Crawford owner, you need a shortstop. Didi Gregorius could be back on Friday. Uh, so he's, would you rather own Hernan Perez or Didi Gregorius? Uh, Perez. probably. Well, I mean, in the context you're talking about where I, I'm slotting him in my lineup right away, like I don't, I don't know that I can go there with Perez. I'd rather have him on my bench. So, uh, Gregorius, I, I think I'd say Gregorius. Keon Broxton, Chris, 58% owned in his last five games. He's five for 16 with a triple, three walks, four strikeouts, and three steals, including two last night. Are you seeing enough from Keon Broxton to keep him on your roster, or do you think Broxton is someone who's expendable for maybe a Bellinger or something? Yeah, I'd rather have Bellinger than Broxton. I, I'm just not sure where he's going to play, not sure how good he is. Let's go to a segment called Finally! Trey Turner, he hit for the cycle. About time you hit for the cycle, Trey Turner. We've been waiting. Uh, he had seven RBIs and four runs. But seriously, he had been pretty bad. He was batting 219 before yesterday. Now he's batting 289. In five games since coming off the DL, Turner has a hit in all four of his starts. He didn't start one of the games. He has three doubles, but no walks, three strikeouts. On the year, one walk, ten strikeouts in uh, ten games for Trey Turner and a home run and three steals. I don't know. Even with the cycle yesterday... It has not been a good start to the year for Trey Turner. Uh, Chris, where are you on on Trey? I haven't changed my opinion on him at all, and yesterday was a good example of why. He's just such a dynamic player, and it's too early. Especially in his season, he's played, what, 11 games? It's way uh, too 10, early to be concerned. Yeah. Maybe 11. Uh, all right, it was Coors Field yesterday. Like last year, I think Andrew McCutcheon had a three-homer three, run, ho- three homer game at Coors Field, and he stunk again after that. And that's Adam picking on Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, let's go to Ian Kinsler. Scott, I put Ian Kinsler in the finally section. He went four for five with a double and four runs against Seattle in a 19 to nine win. But actually, he wasn't as, I kind of felt like he, Kinsler wasn't doing anything. He was a little he better wasn't. than I thought. Well, 14 walks, 14 strikeouts on the year. And right now he's the number eight second baseman in fantasy. Three homers, one steal. And it wasn't as and bad as I thought. Points leagues? Yeah, both. Oh, and both? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, there have been a lot of slow starting second basemen this year. A lot of slow starting second basemen, a lot of slow starting shortstops. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Kinsler, before these last two games was, he had a four for 34 stretch. So you were, I don't think you were oh, okay. wrong in saying he hadn't done much of anything. I think peripherals were saving him in points leagues and just the, the struggles of the position as a whole. I mean, my, like even though it was a slump, my my position on Kinsler hasn't really changed. Um, like I wasn't looking to bench him in any leagues. I do think he's at an age where you always have to worry if if this year is going to be the year he drops off. But it, you know, a, a rough ten game stretch like that isn't isn't enough to convince me. It is. Is there a second baseman that struggled out of the gate that you guys are actually worried about? Like a Dozier a or VR? Cano, a VR? Okay. Yeah, I mean, if he counts as a second base, that's what he's playing for the Brewers. He wasn't 
obviously second base eligible coming into the year. But, uh, you know, and those relate back to concerns I had and, and some even stronger than me, <clears throat> Heath, um, about VR. Like it's, it's not just, it's not just the season started and my whole opinion of VR has changed. It's just the concerns I had are seeming to be realized with the, you know, the inconsistent contact that the impact it's having on batting average. Yeah, like I'm, you know, I look at Rugnet Odor, he's having a bad season. I'm not really worried about it. I have faith in his bat. I do worry a little bit, um, and not really a high-end guy, but someone who was going high eventually was is Jose Peraza. Like, he's not striking out, but he's also not walking. He's stealing bases, but I just wonder, like, is the, does the bat play? And, and I think it's a fair question. You know, the, the Babip's low, but low Babip can happen if you're just overmatched. As far as Dozier and Cano go, you feel pretty confident in them turning things around? Good buy low candidates? Yeah. Yeah. And Cano has been a top five second baseman, right? Uh, well, who do you think the number one second baseman is right now, by the way? A little trivia for you. Uh, well, I actually just looked at this Monday, I think, so it could have changed since then, but, uh, I think Jose Ramirez was at the time. Is he still? He is in points leagues. He's number two. Ramirez is number two in Roto. Behind? Anyone? Also, no shortstop eligible, I believe? Nope, I'm wrong. Uh, Cesar Hernandez. <laughs> oh, yes. That's been yes. awesome. 338 That's batting. That's high, though. Yeah. If you can get anything for him, I don't know that, um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't even know. There's, there's, there's another player who I think has crossed that threshold from enjoy it while it lasts because you can't really get anything for him to, okay, now maybe he is a sell high, but we'll get to him soon enough, I'm sure. Cesar Hernandez? No. You know, I just say it, it's Irvin Santana. Oh, Irvin Santana, yeah, sure, Irvin Santana. I will tell you about Irvin Santana after I tell you about SeatGeek and your awesome way to save $20 when you want to go to a baseball game or a concert or theater or comedy, whatever it is. Get the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY. That's promo code FANTASY, all caps, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Look, I got the SeatGeek app on my phone. I use it, I use it very frequently. Anytime, not, it's weird. It's like not just to buy tickets, but I just want to know how much tickets are going for. I'll open up the SeatGeek app and I'll take a look. And then sometimes, oh, these are pretty cheap. Maybe I'll go to a game. And if you want to do that, you can save 20 bucks again with our offer code FANTASY. Why is SeatGeek better than all the others? Because it searches multiple ticket sites. That's how you get the best deals. It compares prices. It grades every ticket based on value. SeatGeek immediately helps you identify the best seats that fit your budget. You can sort by price. Uh, it's just a very easy app to use and very useful, and it's going to save you time. It's going to save you money, and every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So... Our listeners, you're awesome. You get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase when you use the promo code FANTASY. Download the SeatGeek app. Use the promo code FANTASY. 20 bucks off your first purchase. All right. Irvin Santana coming up in a well, – we'll do it now. Why not? Rankings shockers. Number one pitcher in fantasy is Irvin Santana. The number one shortstop in Roto Leagues is Chris Owings. He's number five in points. And the num- and Addison Russell, I was surprised to see, is the number three shortstop in points leagues, number four in Roto. He's actually having a nice little year, and he was a breakout for Scott. Um, let's talk about Irvin Santana, and then we'll get into those shortstops. I'm going to throw it to Chris Towers. Do you think Irvin Santana's good? No. It is, hey, 23, <laughs> 23 starts. He's got a 203 ERA dating back to that's, last year. That's fine. He, I, he's fine. He's useful. Um, mm-hmm. he was decent last year. He's worth out. He's in most years, yeah. But I, I don't think this is some new Irvin Santana that, that we need to go run out and get. I think he's got like a 112 Babbitt right now. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's like, it's a situation where coming into the year, I felt like Irvin Santana was underrated. So I was happy to pick him up. Yeah. He, he had a two start week the first week. So I think, you know, he saw more action than usual because of that. Uh, but now, you know, he's been up over 90% owned up, basically universally owned for a couple weeks now. It's up to five starts where he's kept an ERA below 1.77. Uh, so I think just knowing, particularly at starting pitcher where, you know, one bad start can, 
get people panicking and, and can really skew in categories, leagues, ERA and whip numbers in a way that makes you feel like you have a pitching problem than when maybe you don't. And just the fact, you know, Irvin Santana sitting there at the top of the rankings. I, I think he's entered the point where, um, with this start, he crossed the threshold from, okay, everybody's kind of suspicious of it too. Now maybe you can take advantage of somebody with Irvin Santana because like this isn't the first time he's done this. Just going back to 2014, his first six starts, uh, for Atlanta, actually, he had a 199 ERA and then he finished that year with a 395 ERA. 114 games was a fine fantasy option, but I, there, a, there's he, correction coming just like there was then. He's a high threes ERA guy. Yeah. And, and that's how I view, I look, I moved him up in my rankings as you were speaking to number 73 right behind Ivan Nova. <laughs> Ivan Nova. Oh, see, now we all get to correct each other's pronunciation. I, well, me, me mispronouncing something is not. <laughs> uh, would you trade Irvin Santana for Jose Quintana? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's fairly realistic too. Yeah. So, all right, how about those shortstops? Addison Russell having a nice year, top four shortstop in both formats. Chris Owings, fifth in points, first in roto. Uh, what do you think, guys? Um, I think Chris Owings, probably his ownership percentage should keep going up. He's dual eligible. He steals bases. 79% yeah, own. A lot of that value is based on the five stolen bases and the 16 runs. And the 16 runs especially is just totally unsustainable for a guy that usually doesn't hit at the top of the order. Um, I, but there's some pop there and, and, you know, like I don't think the pace he's currently on, which is 15 homers, 40 steals. Like obviously the batting average is going to come down a little. The runs scored are going to come down. But just those two categories, which are the measurements we care about most for a hitter, I would say. Um, like, they don't seem crazy. And considering he's shortstop eligible, considering he's actually playing every day, I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued enough. Um, you know, I'd, I'd add like a Bellinger over him, but I'm intrigued yeah, enough he, to, to give Owings a look. He's stolen around 15 bases per... Hundred per five hundred plate appearances in the majors. I, I just well, last year was good though. Owings had twenty one steals in one hundred and nineteen games. He has five and six attempts. He's off to a good start, but four yeah. walks, seventeen strikeouts. So there's probably a cold stretch coming. And you know what I say about stolen bases? Like that's the one stat that doesn't just happen by happenstance by a player beating himself. It's a player consciously deciding to do something, and he can impact that number. And we know the Diamondbacks like to steal as well. Pollock stole two bases yesterday. I think he's up to six now. Uh, he's, he's His numbers look great at the moment. All right, we'll come back. We'll do Addison Russell some other time. Let's talk about some players. By the way, we got grade the trade coming up later on in the show. Uh, stock watch here. Are these players' stocks rising, and then are they falling? We'll start with the risers. Is Garrett Cole's stock Rising, as in his last three starts, he's given up four runs with three walks, 21 strikeouts in 19 innings. That includes two starts against the Cubs. Is Garrett Cole's stock rising? Is Kyle Hendricks' stock rising? And we'll stop here. We'll we'll do half the list here. Actually, we'll do all the pitchers. Cole, Hendricks, Marco Estrada, who is uh, also a great start, 270 ERA and 33 Ks in 30 innings, and Michael Waka. 255 ERA and about a strikeout per inning and four quality starts and four starts. Cole, Hendricks, Estrada, and Waka are their stocks rising right now? Well, it was nice to see Kyle Hendricks pull out of the tailspin. Uh, his velocity was up about three miles per hour yesterday over where it had been in his previous start. It's more in line with where he was in his spring outing, so I guess that's a promising sign. That sounds like a stock rising to me, but he only had like five swinging strikes and three Ks yeah. for what it's worth. Well, stock, just, stock yeah. rising relative to how it was falling. I still have, yeah, he's, he's turned his stock around, but I, I still have Garrett Cole ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And I might, I might be, uh, <laughs> as the, as the low guy you on Garrett to. Cole coming in the year. Yeah. I mean, two hitting the Cubs with more than a strikeout per inning after another start that was also encouraging. And not really understanding what was wrong with him in the first place, considering how hard he was throwing. It's not like there was diminished velocity or he appeared to be diminished stuff. So. He had one bad start to open the season. Well, I know, but just after last year, yeah. it didn't, uh, 
Right, but no, what I'm saying is it like didn't he, he gave up my concerns. Five runs against Boston in the opener, which that's fine. You get a mulligan against Boston, sure. I think. He's got a 2.52 ERA with a strikeout per inning in four yeah. starts since then. I'm yeah, I'm very optimistic about Garrett Cole at right. this point. Me too. Yeah, I'm a little nervous though because I I do think the defense is a major problem. Like like he lost yesterday because of an right, under run. The infield defense shouldn't be. Well, I don't know. Jo- Josh Harrison. Pitcher. Josh Harrison has been just dreadful. I don't know what that's all about. But yeah, you know, he's kicking the ball around. He, he, and, I think he's making some errors that you don't expect to see. And this was something that you, yeah, I was listening to Monday's podcast and you brought it up. This was the ground ball heaviest pitching staff in baseball last season. So it is worth noting that the outfield defense should be less of a concern and, and they have changed the way they're aligning their outfield. Okay. Uh, uh Andrew what? McCutcheon's playing a little more in now or a little further out. Yeah, well, a little yeah. further out. Yeah, he is playing further out. I saw that over the weekend, and he didn't get to a, a ball, maybe two, that most people would have. But right. right, but you'll you'll take you'll trade singles for doubles and triples every time. You will, but doesn't change the fact that he's a bad defender. But all right, fine. How about Estrada and Waka? Uh, has, has their stock risen for you since you know your preseason ideas of Marco Estrada and Michael Waka? Well, Waka has especially because he just looks like he's back to where he was two years ago, which may have been a little overrated in fantasy, but it's still universally owned starter more often than not. Um, you know, he looks like he's going to be a mid-range but reliable option for you. Estrada, like, was much higher to begin with, and the fact he has more than a strikeout per inning so far, 33 and 30 innings. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't know that he's really changed the way I view him. I just kind of view that as, early season um, skewing of numbers because he's going to have good strikeout starts sometimes and he just happened to have a couple here in the early going. But, you know, he's he's proven the last couple of years he's a quality pitcher. Yeah. And uh, he's unorthodox. Yeah. But yeah. he looked awesome against Boston the the previous start to this one. This is Marco Estrada we're talking about. So Chris, uh, on Monday's show, Scott asked, would you trade uh Estrada for Bumgarner? And I said no. I said maybe if I had like a three and O team. And Chris and Heath said like absolutely. You probably heard it because you listened to the show. Uh, yep. Would you trade Marco Estrada for Bumgarner? I have Bumgarner ranked significantly higher, so I would not. I would rather have Bumgarner. So you yeah you would trade you would trade Estrada for Bumgarner. Yes. Okay. And Scott, where where did you fall on that? You kind of it, it depends. Yeah, on your I think team. that was me. Kind of gauging out loud where I should rank Bumgarner. Um, I, I have him ahead of Estrada. I would, I would trade Estrada for Bumgarner because I feel like Estrada, while he's good, he's not like make or break your pitching staff good, you know? And Bumgarner certainly is. Okay. And others, are there stocks rising? Couple of third basemen. Mike Moustakas hit his seventh home run. And Joey Gallo hit his seventh home run and he's a top five <laughs> third baseman. Uh, I don't know how he's so much higher than Mustakas. And he's got five more RBIs and a the triple. RBI. Yeah. That's a big part of it. And they both have seven home runs and Mustakas is batting 50 points higher. Anyway, um, Moose and Gallo, they keep rising up for you? I'm still, I still have big concerns about Gallo. I mean, he's still a bad week, I think, away from getting discussed for a demotion. Considering the starting point is a 224 batting average. Um, Mustakis, like this is, this might be a chicken and egg thing where, you know, the fact that he already has seven home runs means he's hitting more fly balls, but he's, he's among the increased fly ball guys, um, in a way that suggests, okay, maybe he can sustain a career high homer pace. And I've always liked how much contact he makes. That that rate's actually been a little worse this year, but still above average for a power hitter. So I think Moustakis is somebody who I wouldn't necessarily be looking to sell. The thing with Moustakis is the breakout might have started last year. And it's just that the injury came in and, and ruined it because, you know, the homer pace wasn't quite this, but he was, you know, hitting the ball a lot harder per uh, hard hit contact rate and, He's sustained those gains so far in the early going. Okay, would you rather have Moose or Gurriel, who had another good game yesterday? Moose. Moose or Gallo? Gallo. Moose. Gallo, huh? Yep. But Gallo. I'm the I'm the buyer on Gallo. Yeah, you like him. 
All right. You're, um, Galo and you're, you're you're all about the 200 strikeout guys with a lot of power. Well, the the big thing for me with with Joey Gallo is he's gotten his strikeouts to a bad but still manageable place. He's gotten his strikeouts to where Miguel Sano has been, and Miguel Sano yeah. has been a top 15 third baseman. I mean, some, sometimes, sometimes there have been 200 strikeout guys. They're, they're both on pace for more than 200 strikeouts. There have been ones who have impacted fantasy, but I'll, particularly with the lack of track record, I'll bet against it for both of them. All right. Well, the thing is with Chris is like he's like Joey Gallo for a long time, and you you have to you got to be excited because this is your moment. Like this is huge. Well, yeah, you. and it's there's there's certainly some confirmation bias in both how I and Scott view him. I would say. Is that we're we're both seeing the things sure. we want to see from him, right? Right. Um, but I just he, when you have a, a standout eighty grade tool like he does with raw power, it's just he's showing enough skill to play it in games. And guys who have forty five, fifty homer potential, you know, they're they're rare. Uh, by the way, uh, Mitch Haniger expected to miss one game with the oblique injury. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? You Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. It was a oh, total okay. joke. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> of course uh, he isn't. Come on. All right. Uh, look, I want to get to grade bad. the trade and an email, so let me get through some other stuff here. Danny Duffy, terrible start yesterday. Chris, are you concerned? You've written and spoken a lot about <laughs> Danny Duffy. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this was my concern that the 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 lower velocity was going to catch up to him eventually, and. uh I, I just hope it hasn't because I do own a lot of Danny Duffy. Um, I still the swinging strike rate is still healthy, although it wasn't very good yesterday. Um, you know what's funny is he had his best velocity yesterday. There you go. Average ninety four point four, touch ninety seven. There you go. That's nice. Um, That's great. And like it's worth noting too. Obviously, an awful start to bring him to a two eighty one ERA, and you know, good ERAs are usually. Like, th- this is the way seasons play out for yeah. good pitchers. Series of good starts, really bad start. Like, it's not always just, you know, two earned runs in seven innings, two earned runs in six innings. So, like, I don't know. Like, I can understand if Chris coming oh, in no, with concerns not... these kind of confirming them, but. Well, I, I just, I can't really figure out how I feel about Danny Duffy so far. Okay. The swing strike rate has been really healthy. He, he's pitching like he got four years older <laughs> in the offseason with the, the velocity yeah, loss, yeah, the yeah. fact that he's not throwing his fastball nearly as much but he's also 28 so he could be just figuring out how to pitch sure all right let's uh plow through the rest of this and finish with gray the trade we'll do the rankings uh, excuse me we'll do the the stock falling section section tomorrow speak adam alex bregman jonathan lucroy kiermeyer cargo who homered yesterday so yeah, we'll, he's up. we'll talk uh, is he heating up yes yeah, five hit, hit safely in five straight all right stock rising good. Stock it's, a, rising. it's the start of something. Or maybe I'll get cargo out of the stock falling section. Uh, Wade <laughs> Miley and Patrick Corbin had good starts yesterday. They are 70% and 55% owned respectively. Corbin has uh, dominated the Padres twice in a row, but now he has a 310 ERA. I said Miley had a good start. He actually walked six, but two runs, but. eight strikeouts against the team that strikeouts more than any, strikes out more than any in baseball. Uh, however, that's 32 Ks in 26 innings. What do you think about Miley and Corbin? Should they be should they be owned in the amount of leagues that they're owned in 70 and 55%? Yes. And I could, I could stand to go higher on Corbin. Um, maybe up to Miley's level at 70. Like, Miley has a one hitter, a two hitter, and a four hitter already, and the strikeout rate has been terrific. He's had a couple starts now where the walks have been, like, scary high, but that's not, like, it's just, it, it's like, I don't know, it's, it's like some kind of alien, being inhabited Miley's body because he's not doing anything recognizable. Um, but I'm like, what he's doing is intriguing enough that I want to see it play out for me. Uh, and then Corbin just, I mean, I, I wish he was doing it against somebody other than the Padres, but right. there's reasons to be high, to be, uh, to be optimistic about him to begin with. And the relief pitcher eligibility, I think makes him clearly must own in the formats where that matters. Yep. Oh, well. Is it, uh, is it, is it strange that I think it's reasonable for them to be owned this, in the same percentage of league? Cause I'm not convinced they're not the same person. Corbin and Miley? I just, for some <laughs> reason, I just, I think they're like the, just the same guy. 
Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to see Corbin had seven walks and seven strikeouts and three starts and then he faced the Padres. Two walks, 17 strikeouts. Uh, bullpen, Roberto Ozuna, he's struggling this year. Now he got a little unlucky yesterday, was sort of a softly hit infield single that tied the game, but his velocity's down a little bit. Should we be concerned about Roberto Ozuna? Hmm. And, and he had the DL stint and he had low velocity to begin the, the before the DL stint to begin the season, so. You know, I think it's something at least worth looking into here. Yeah, it's not something that had caught my attention before, so I haven't looked into it much. Um, but if the velocity is still down, did, or did you say it was still down or yeah. it just wasn't? It is, well, it is down a lot. Yeah. yeah, yesterday's, they didn't have uh, yesterday's uh, stats on Brook Baseball, but. I, I mean, the biggest problem for Ozuna might just be that the Blue Jays are terrible. Yeah, right? It's not helping. Yeah. It's not helping, no. and I, I guess Grilly, if there's a problem there, but Joe Smith's been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah, Grilly's had his own issues. They don't have yeah. a great bullpen. It doesn't No, it, it might be a little early to think replacements for Ozuna, but there's there's some concern here for sure. Yeah. And Santiago can see a blue save, but he made, according to Josh Fegley, a good pitch that a good hitter, Mike Trout, hit for his first extra inning home run. Uh, any interest in these guys? J.C. Ramirez, Ty Block, Jesse Hahn. As pitchers, J.C. Ramirez, Ty Block, Jesse Hahn. And Jesse Hahn's off to a really good start um, prior to even this one-hit effort against the Angels. And uh, he was making some changes in spring training after a bad year last year, um, trying to get back to being more of an extreme ground ball guy. It hadn't really shown up in the results until this start, and yet he had been having a good ERA and, and beat us anyway. Um, I, I think of him as a deeper league option, but 19% owned, I mean, it, it seems like that could stand to go up a little. All right. I, just, I do want to point out that they're getting Graven back, and they're getting Sonny Gray back in a week. So I don't like. I feel like he might not even have a spot. Manaya, he might not. He might not. There's a. It's between him and Triggs. Yeah. Probably. Probably who. uh, Who blinks first? And Triggs wasn't great last time, so we'll see. Jose Martinez of St. Louis. Do you feel like they might have to get him into the lineup a little bit more? This is for deep leagues. Obviously, he's batting three seventy five. He hit his first home run of the season, and Martinez is mostly pinch hit, but. But Grichik's been terrible since the first day of the season. He strikes out a ton. Um, he forced their hand in the spring. Yeah, he had a great yeah. spring, Jose Martinez, and we sort of, you know, he's, he's like old. He's the reason matter. Matt Adams is playing the outfield. So, they, they, what, what do you think? They kept Jose Martinez on the roster and had to force Matt Adams into the outfield in order to get his bat on, in, on the roster. Okay, um, so, so it wouldn't shock someone. me if they started, and you know that Cardinals devil magic—they seem to find guys like this every once in a while. <laughs> uh, we, uh, NL only. Okay, yeah, for now. I uh, just want to throw the name out there, give you a little heads up. Now we uh, don't really have time for grade the trade, so I'm going to save that for tomorrow. I knew we weren't going to get to everything. We had three rainouts yesterday too, and still had a. We talked too much. A little bit, you know, but that's okay. Uh, we got to help people. We win. didn't even mention Eric Thames' fantastic quote. Oh, I got a lot of blood in me and keep testing. <laughs> I got a lot of blood and urine in me. Yeah. He's, he's, he's funny. Like I saw the interview yesterday. Yeah. Thames is, I, I like him. Yeah, he wasn't like mad about it. They, they were asking him about like the steroid accusations and he, he seemed to have a pretty good sense about him. Other notes, uh, Jason Kipnis was robbed of a home run. Dustin Bedroya is going to play tonight. Pablo Sandoval DL. Rajay Davis DL expected to miss 10 days. Cespedes and Darno should be in the lineup tonight. Jairus Familia is officially the Mets closer again. Chris Tillman's nearing a return. Brandon Crawford groin injury. Arizona called up Zach Godley to replace Shelby Miller. David Peralta sat against a lefty. Julio Arias likely to stay in the Dodgers rotation rest of season, and Matt Cain will not miss a start. And here's the best part of the show. It's an email from who are you? From Steven in a remote island in the North Atlantic. Uh he says 
Chris likes to cite that the NBA is no worse or different today because Michael Jordan used to dominate the league back in the good old days. While that's true, the big difference is players used to try and beat Jordan their whole career. You didn't see Reggie Miller or John Stockton joining the Bulls in the free agent market when they couldn't beat him. Oh, God. Who cares? The competitive spirit is different in today's NBA, and that makes it worse. competitive spirit. Guys want to (laughs) win. Who cares? I I do admit, I think it was a little more competitive back then. The competitive spirit of Magic Johnson, who was drafted onto a team with the best center ever, the competitive spirit of Larry drafted. Bird with drafted. and Kevin McHale. Drafted. Don't tell me about competitive Drafted. Spirit. It's different. Drafted is different than going it's signing in free agent and Robert whining Larry about. Larry Bird didn't have to leave his team because he was drafted onto a team with three Hall of Famers. Yeah, all right, fine, but I'm just saying, like, guys. If, if, if the Cavaliers weren't woefully incompetent and had drafted three, three Hall of Famers next to LeBron James, he never would have left. Yeah, but the, then they pull these power plays to get out of there, like what Carmelo Anthony did and and Kevin Love. I gotta go play with my buddy. I gotta go play this big market and play with my buddies and be on a superstar teams. Like, come on, dude, this stuff is weak. Plus, there's why there's does such... it why does it bother you that they make decisions about where they want to do their job? I actually I don't think they're doing anything wrong. They're entitled to it. I just don't really like it. I like I like when we have more markets that mattered, and there are really only two teams that have a uh, shot at winning the uh, championship, like the good old days. In in the NBA. Two teams have a chance to win the championship. Like the good every old year. days in the NBA when every team had a chance. No, this I think five or six teams had a revisionist chance. Revisionist history, and you know it. It's not revisionist. Take your L. Oh, don't say that to Chris Towers. I hate that. You don't take your L. I hate that. <laughs> Chris Towers. All right, we're done for today. Back tomorrow. I promise we'll grade some trades. See you then.